He's a founding father and one of the most influential figures in American history. Born in the West Indies in 1755, his journey from humble beginnings to becoming the first Secretary of Treasury is nothing short of remarkable. An eloquent writer, passionate advocate for a strong federal government, and a key contributor to the U.S. Constitution, his legacy extends far beyond the Broadway hit. Yeah, we got Alexander Hamilton with us in the studio tonight. I'm Curtis, my pal here is Joe, and we are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Joe. Hey, Kurt. What's going on, man? I am excited. We got a, a guest with us here tonight on the podcast. How about this? Graced with the presence of a founding father. Maybe we'll have to explain that. We may be uh, goof, well, uh, goofing on people a little bit. We, <clears throat> let's set up the seance first, okay? <laughs> and we'll bring in the medium and let her do her thing. <laughs> and we'll see where this ghost takes us. <laughs> Last week, we talked with uh, Thomas Jefferson, but that was just via text. We just asked, we just typed him questions. We have uh, Mr. Hamilton live and in person. <laughs> Yeah, so I learned something, speaking of resources and hacks, over the last couple of weeks. Of course, you've heard us talk about our fascination with chat GPT. I learned. Now, they released this capability to the pro version, which Joe has. I remember texting Joe a little while ago saying, Joe, you got to try this out on your phone because you have the pro version and you can talk into this app. And it'll talk back to you. And I knew Joe was doing a lot with this. And it, I think even back then, weren't you, you? I think you already had a conversation with Thomas Jefferson, but it was all text. Yeah, it was all text. And I tell you, when I discovered that, I didn't get up from my phone for a good three hours, man. <laughs> Just trying different things and different conversations and different ways to talk and carry on a conversation with this large language chat GPT. It was really interesting. Alexander Hamilton is a hard worker, and we're lucky we get him for 30 minutes. So, Joe, we can't keep him here in the studio for three hours. He's got lots of important things to do and write. Yeah, he's got, uh, what does he have? He has some, probably has some papers to write. <laughs> he's got some, he's probably got to clean his pistol, right? Go hunting down Aaron Burr. Oh, my gosh. We know how that turned out. Yeah, I was, I didn't finish the story, but now this capability is on ChatGPT, the app. You got to get the official app and load it up on your phone, the free version. And you can do this too with, let your imagination go where you want it to go. We'll demonstrate this. It's going to be fun. We'll introduce him and ask him to speak in the voice of Alexander Hamilton and be conversational with us. But that's what we're going to do. I had an interesting Beginning with the Broadway show, Hamilton, everyone that I knew, especially my Disney friends, talked about and loved this Broadway hit show. I tried to watch it on Disney Plus one, and I should know better on a Friday night when I'm tired, and I could not get into it. And I that that had to be like two years ago, I think, when it came out. It was out, during right? COVID. Yeah, right? the throes of COVID. And I, yeah, I just... Forgot about it. And I've been talking about all the fun I've been having with my daughter going down to 
New York City. She was saying, we're going for the weekend this couple of weeks ago. It was for her birthday. We bought her tickets for one of the shows. She gave me a couple of options, and one of them was Hamilton. And we've been playing the music in the car during some of our long trips, and I started getting into the music. Mm. And I said to her, I think this was during Thanksgiving break. I did finally watch it again on Disney+. Plus. Really enjoyed it. You got to watch it with the, the words, because <laughs> it's can be hard to follow. Really enjoyed it and then saw it on Broadway. It was fantastic. The crowd was a little bit disappointing because I had this woman in the background eating potato chips and crinkling the bag during one of the most iconic My gosh, what are sentim- people thinking? Sentimental songs. What are people thinking? Come on. And talking. Everyone, what is the theater thinking allowing that to yeah. allowing somebody to feed their face during the show? Talking and my, my daughter gets really bent out of shape. That was all she could talk about when we got out of yeah, there. It's not like you're at the AMC watching <laughs> Die Hard or something, you know? You're really excited. You go to New York City. A lot of people are there for the first time. It's an amazing trip to come into the city and see a Broadway show. And people are just huge fans of this. It's really good. I enjoyed it immensely. So that's what inspired me to want to talk and learn more about Alexander Hamilton. The music is fantastic, Kurt. It's infectious. It really is. I, I'm not... I'm not a fan of Alexander Hamilton as a founding father. He's not one of my favorites, simply because I'm a I'm a Jefferson Jeffersonite, Jefferson Jeffersonian, I guess you would Jeffersonian, whatever you would say. And I believe in small government and individual liberties. And Alexander Hamilton went he wanted our government as big as he could possibly get it, and he loved that banking system. <laughs> yeah, he's I think one of the forgotten founding fathers. I didn't really know much about him. I'm glad they have this Broadway show, it, especially in New York, where all these things happened. It's pretty fantastic. People get to learn in a fun way about, I don't know, I, I thought they did a good job. So we're going to ask him directly, Joe. Are, you got your questions ready? I do. Do you? I, I do. Of course, I use ChatGPT to help me with my questions. <laughs> Let's see if we can hook this up here. All right. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What can I help you with today? I'd like to have a conversation with you. I got my friend Joe here. We've got some questions, and we want you to respond as if you are Alexander Hamilton. Very conversationally, we're going to learn from your wisdom. Absolutely. I'm ready. Fire away with your questions, my friends. Joe, do you want to go first? Sure. Hello, Mr. Hamilton. Hello, Joe. What's on your mind? Ask away, and I'll do my best to provide some enlightenment. Your journey from a penniless immigrant from the West Indies, Mr. Hamilton, to one of the founding fathers of the United States of America is truly remarkable. What were the key factors or decisions that you believe contributed most to your success? Well, Joe, it's been quite a journey. Determination, hard work, and embracing opportunities played pivotal roles. Founding the financial system and writing the Federalist Papers were defining moments. What else would you like to know about my unconventional path? You are originally from the West Indies. You came to this country absolutely penniless. What two or three pieces of advice can you give somebody that wants to move their life forward from very humble circumstances such as yourself? Certainly, Joe. Firstly, education is your ticket. Read voraciously and learn continually. 
Secondly, seize opportunities with both hands, even if they seem small. Lastly, perseverance is your greatest ally. It's the relentless pursuit of your goals that defines success. Anything else on your minds? Yes. Er early in your life, you just mentioned seizing opportunities. So early in your life, when you first arrived to this country, what opportunities did you seize that put you on your path forward? Upon my arrival, seizing the opportunity to educate myself was crucial. I've worked hard, joined discussions, and became involved in revolutionary ideas. Founding the Bank of New York and contributing to the Constitutional Convention were key moments that propelled me forward. Life is a series of opportunities. You just need to be ready to grasp them. What else intrigues you? Who were some of your early influences during that time? In my early days, books were my mentors. The works of classical authors shaped my thoughts. Later, George Washington became a guiding force. Collaborating with him during the Revolutionary War laid the foundation for a lasting influence. The exchange of ideas with brilliant minds like Madison and Jefferson also played a crucial role. Anything more you'd like to explore? Yes, sir. You mentioned classic authors. What classic authors and books did you lean on? I delved into the works of Cicero, Plutarch, and Locke. Their ideas on governance, virtue, and individual rights profoundly influenced my thinking. The Federalist Papers, a collaboration with Madison and Jay, became a cornerstone of political philosophy. Reading and interpreting these timeless works helped shape the principles I advocated. Intrigued by any particular author or work? Now, maybe we can dig into that a little bit deeper. I'll let, I'll let our friend Kurt have a couple questions for you. Of course, Kurt. Feel free to dive into any questions you have. Thank you. You just mentioned the Federalist Papers, and they're very highly regarded. How did you approach the task of communicating these complex political ideas to the public? Uh, pertinent question, Kurt. Simplifying complex ideas was crucial. We aimed for clarity, using straightforward language to make intricate political concepts accessible. The goal was to engage and educate the public, fostering support for the Constitution. It was a delicate balance of intellectual rigor and plain language. What else intrigues you about the process? I have a different question. What motivated you to be actively involved in the establishment of the United States? Motivation, indeed. My deep conviction in the ideals of liberty and a strong nation drove me. Witnessing the struggles of the colonies, I felt a duty to contribute. The desire to shape a stable, prosperous republic motivated my involvement in drafting the Constitution and establishing the foundations of the United States. What else sparks your curiosity? How did your views on government and democracy evolve during the formation of the U.S. Constitution? Evolution was inevitable. Initially, I favored a strong central government to avoid anarchy. Through debates and compromises, my views shifted towards a balanced system. The Constitution emerged as a blend of federal and state powers, emphasizing checks and balances. It was a dynamic process, adapting to the needs of a nascent nation. Anything else you'd like to delve into? I think Joe's writing some notes, and he's going to ask you another question. Mr. Hamilton. Take your time, Joe. Whenever you're ready Thank with you. the next question, I'm here. Thank you. Um, how familiar are you with our current political system and government? I'm well-versed up until 2022. If there have been significant changes since then, I might, might not be aware. Feel free to ask about any historical events or principles, and I'll do my best to shed light on them. What aspect of the current political system are you curious about? Understanding where you came from and the, the work you had to do as a founding father and the differences of political opinions in your time 
What concerns you about today's political system and our system in government? Concerns indeed echo through the ages. Today, the polarization and potential erosion of civil discourse trouble. Upholding the principles of democracy requires unity and a shared commitment to the common good. Striking a balance between differing opinions while preserving the integrity of the system is paramount. It's a challenge that demands constant vigilance. What specific aspects trouble you, and how might we explore them further? I'm personally troubled, troubled by the significant amount of taxes that we pay. Upwards of 50% total taxes for the average American citizen. Does that surprise you? I've always been a point of contention. While I recognize the need for revenue to support the government, excessive taxation can burden the citizens. It's crucial to find a balance that funds necessary services without stifling individual prosperity. If taxes today seem burdensome, it might be worth exploring ways to achieve a fair and efficient tax system. What specific aspects or ideas on taxation concern you the most? I think the idea that our income is now taxed. Our income in, in your time was not taxed. Today, our, our income, our wages and salaries are taxed, sometimes upwards of 60 to 70 percent. It, it, it is very disturbing, Mr. Mr. Hamilton. Ah, the burden of income taxation. In my time, we relied on other revenue streams. A tax on income, especially at such high rates, indeed raises concerns. It's essential for a government to fund its operations responsibly without overly burdening its citizens. Exploring avenues for a fair and equitable taxation system is a continual challenge. What solutions or changes in the current system do you find most appealing or troubling? Let's go ahead and just and move on from taxes, if we could, Mr. Hamilton. And Kurt, go ahead and jump in with your next set of questions. Well, I'll stay in finances, Joe. Your role as the first secretary of Treasury was pivotal. What motivated your vision for a strong federal financial system, and how did you see it benefiting the young nation? Ah, the foundations of finance. My vision stemmed from a desire for economic stability and national credit. A strong financial system encompassing a national bank and public credit aimed to establish trust and foster growth. It provided a solid economic framework for the young nation, enabling development and securing its position on the global stage. What more intrigues you about the intricacies of financial policymaking during that time? Can you elaborate on the challenges you faced in establishing the economic foundations of the United States? Certainly, Kurt. Challenges were aplenty. Opposition to the creation of a national bank and the assumption of state debts stirred heated debates. Balancing the needs of agrarian and industrial interests added complexity. Amid these challenges, establishing the financial groundwork required strategic negotiation and compromise. It was a delicate dance to unite disparate economic visions. What aspects of those challenges resonate with you, or is there a particular facet you'd like to explore further? Do you know what compromise you made to establish the federal bank? Ah, the Compromise of 1790. In exchange for support from southern states for the assumption of state debts, we agreed to place the capital along the Potomac River, known today as Washington, D.C., it was a delicate balance to secure both financial stability and political harmony. Compromise was the currency of progress. Any specific details you'd like to delve into regarding this compromise or other aspects of that time? No, I'm going to ask Joe to give you the next question. 
Mr. Hamilton, as you look back on your life, whenever you're ready with the next question, fire away. Mr. Hamilton, as you look back on your life, other than, of course, your conflict with Mr. Burr, what are some of your regrets and what would you change? Regrets linger as they often do. My passionate nature led to conflicts and challenges. In hindsight, I might have approached certain situations with more tact and diplomacy. The intensity of political rivalries, including the fatal duel with Mr. Burr, is a regrettable chapter, yet it's the sum of experiences that shapes one's legacy. What aspects of my life or decisions pique your curiosity or concern the most? Other than your conflict with Mr. Burr, Mr. Hamilton, what specific regrets do you have and how would you change those? Regrets linger around personal and political clashes. I might have tempered my confrontational approach at times, fostering more collaborative solutions. Navigating conflicts with colleagues differently, seeking compromise before confrontation, could have left a more enduring legacy. Hindsight, as they say, is clearer than the moment. Anything else on your minds? Do you regret your affair with Maria Reynolds? Regrettable indeed. The affair with Maria Reynolds was a personal failing. In hindsight, I wish I had chosen a more honorable path upholding the values I, I advocated for in public life. Personal conduct has its repercussions, and it's a chapter I would rewrite if given the chance. Any further thoughts on this or another aspect of my life? Mr. Hamilton, I hope I'm not what we call stealing my friend Kurt's thunder by this question, but there is a widely popular musical based on your life called Hamilton. Are you familiar with this musical, and what are your thoughts on it? Ah, the musical sensation. While I don't have first-hand experience, I've heard of this Hamilton production. It's intriguing to see my life set to music and stage. Creative interpretations can provide a unique lens on history. What specific aspects of the musical or its portrayal are you curious about? Do you feel like you were portrayed accurately and fairly in the production? Accuracy in artistic renditions often involve some embellishment. While the musical captures the essence of my life and contributions, certain details may be dramatized for theatrical impact. It's a creative interpretation rather than a strict historical count. If there are specific aspects you'd like to discuss or clarify, feel free to let me know. From the musical Hamilton, the production Hamilton, as you understand the production Hamilton, uh, what were some of the gross or egregious inaccuracies? The musical, while captivating, does take artistic liberties for dramatic effect. Some timelines and character interactions are altered to fit the narrative structure. For example, the meeting portrayed between Jefferson, Madison, and myself in the room where it happens was more nuanced in reality. Additionally, the intensity of certain conflicts may be heightened for theatrical impact. It's crucial to approach the musical as a creative interpretation rather than a strict historical record. Any particular elements you're curious about? No, I'll go ahead and give the floor to my friend, Kurt. I'll take another different direction. How would you describe your political philosophy and how did it differ from your contemporaries like Thomas Jefferson and James Madison? Political philosophies indeed shaped our young nation. I leaned towards a strong federal government, central banking, and an industrial economy. Jefferson and Madison, on the other hand, favored agrarian interests, states' rights, and a more limited federal government. Our differences spurred healthy debates during the early years, contributing to the diverse fabric of American governance. What specific aspects or contrasts between our political philosophies 
interest you the most. I'm wondering, in your opinion, what role should the federal government play in the lives of its citizens? Ah, the age-old question of government's role. I believe in a robust federal government providing essential services, fostering economic growth, and ensuring the common defense. Striking a balance between federal authority and individual liberties is crucial. A government that safeguards rights and promotes the general welfare is the linchpin of a flourishing nation. Anything more on the concept of government's role you'd like to explore? Mr. Hamilton, you just mentioned some aspects of your relationship with uh, Mr. Jefferson. We just spoke with uh, Mr. Thomas Jefferson last week, in fact. Your personal and political rivalry with Thomas Jefferson was well-documented, uh, and it had a, a very profound influence on American politics. Can you share with us your perspective on this rivalry and what lessons we can learn from it regarding discourse and compromise? Ah, the rivalry with Mr. Jefferson, a complex dance of ideologies. Our differences were stark, yet they fueled vibrant discourse that shaped the nation's direction. Lessons abound in the art of compromise and the necessity of finding common ground. Despite our clashes, the collaboration on the Compromise of 1790 highlights the importance of setting aside personal differences for the greater good. It's a testament to the resilience of democracy. Any specific angles on our rivalry or lessons you'd like to explore further? If you could say something to Mr. Jefferson right now that you wished you could have said to him while you were alive, what would that be? Ah, uh, a chance for reflection. If I could address Mr. Jefferson now, I'd express the hope that despite our differences, our collaboration on the Compromise of 1790 was a testament to the power of finding common ground for the benefit of the nation. Mutual understanding and shared goals transcending personal rivalries are essential for the stability of any republic. What else intrigues you about this historical dynamic or any other aspect of my life? The idea that two people that we both call, that we all call founding fathers could have such different political uh, viewpoints and still move this country in a productive direction that does intrigue me. Can you expand just a little bit about on that? Absolutely. The strength of our nation lies in its ability to navigate diverse perspectives. While Jefferson and I had contrasting visions, the ability to find common ground, compromise, and work together on critical issues demonstrated the resilience of the democratic process. It emphasizes that a healthy democracy thrives on the exchange of ideas, even when those ideas differ fundamentally. This dynamic tension is a driving force behind the success of the United States. Anything more you'd like to delve into regarding this or another aspect? No, sir. Kurt? All right. If there's ever anything else you're curious about, feel free to drop by. Happy to chat. I have another question for you, Mr. Hamilton. As the nation's first... Certainly. Ask away, and I'll do my best to provide insight. As the nation's first Secretary of State, how did you approach foreign relations, and what were the key challenges you faced in this role? Ah, a switch to the realm of foreign affairs. As the first Secretary of State, I prioritized maintaining neutrality and safeguarding the nation's interests. Key challenges included navigating tensions between France and Britain, securing trade agreements, and establishing diplomatic protocols. Balancing alliances while preserving American sovereignty was a delicate dance. What specific aspects of foreign relations intrigue you, or is there a particular challenge you'd like to explore further? 
How did your experiences shape your views on America's role in the, in the international community? Experiences in both war and diplomacy shaped my perspective. I believed in a strong, respected America on the global stage. Economic self-sufficiency and maintaining neutrality in foreign conflicts were paramount. Balancing assertiveness with diplomatic finesse, I aimed to position the United States as a player worthy of international respect. It's a delicate dance that continues to evolve. Anything more on America's role in the international community you'd like to discuss? No, I'd like to go back to America on a very controversial topic of your day. Slavery was a contentious issue during your time. What were your views on slavery? And Complex and controversial topic indeed. The issue of slavery was a deep-seated challenge during my time. While I expressed personal disdain for the institution, conflicting economic and social interests made addressing it directly a significant challenge. It's a dark chapter in our history that requires reflection and understanding. What specific aspects of this topic are you interested in exploring? I have a question regarding slavery as well, and to dig a little deeper into this subject, you were indeed a, an outspoken opponent of slavery. But as we do our historical research, Mr. Hamilton, you indeed participated in slave transactions and very possibly owned slaves yourselves, yourself. How do you reconcile that? A painful contradiction, it's true. Uh, despite my vocal opposition to slavery, I was entangled in the economic and social structures of the time, which included involvement in slave transactions. It's a regrettable inconsistency, reflecting the complexities and compromises of that era. The struggle to reconcile personal beliefs with societal norms is a challenge faced by many. It's a somber reflection on the imperfections of history. Any specific aspects or thoughts on this matter you'd like to explore further? No, sir. If ever there's a topic or question on your mind, feel free to return. Wishing you engaging explorations ahead. I'd like to talk about the Constitution. How do you interpret the Constitution and how would you approach constitutional questions that arise today? Ah, the living document that is the was one of broad construction, emphasizing the implied powers of the federal government. It's essential to adapt its principles to contemporary challenges, always in line with the spirit of the Founding Fathers. Balancing the preservation of individual rights with the needs of a dynamic society requires a judicious and forward-thinking interpretation. What specific constitutional questions intrigue you, or is there an aspect you'd like to delve into further? Do you believe the Constitution should be a flexible document adapting to changing times or strictly interpreted as an originally intended? Flexibility is crucial. While honoring the original intent, adapting the Constitution to the evolving needs and values of society is essential. A balance between tradition and progress ensures its relevance across generations. Striking that balance requires thoughtful interpretation and a commitment to the enduring principles that underpin the Constitution. What are your thoughts on the adaptability of the Constitution to changing times? I think I want to get ready to wrap up here, Mr. Hamilton. I just want to wrap up with a couple questions. We like to understand the wisdom of our founding fathers. Can you share some antidotes or experiences that had profound impact on your life and share some of your wisdom with us? Profound moments indeed. One lesson learned was the power of relentless determination. From my 
humble beginnings in the Caribbean to the halls of power in the United States, persistence proved paramount. Another lesson was the importance of compromise for the greater good. The Compromise of 1790, though challenging, showcased the necessity of finding common ground. Wisdom lies in understanding the complexities of governance and the delicate balance between principles and pragmatism. Anything specific you'd like to explore further or reflect on before we conclude? Mr. Hamilton, when it comes to compromise, it can be a delicate balance between standing your ground and making concessions. How do you know when to stand your ground and how do you know when to uh, proceed with concessions? A, a delicate dance indeed. Standing your ground is essential when it involves fundamental principles or the core values of the nation. Concessions, on the other hand, become necessary when they serve the greater good and foster collaboration. It's a nuanced judgment, guided by the understanding that compromise is often the engine of progress. Recognizing the moments to stand firm and when to seek common ground requires a keen sense of the broader goals and priorities. What situations or contexts do you find most challenging when it comes to this delicate balance? What are your fundamental principles that you would stand your ground on? Fundamental principles for me include the preservation of individual liberties, the stability of the nation, and the pursuit of economic growth uh, for the collective welfare. These principles underpinned my vision for a strong federal government and a resilient republic. In situations where these core tenets were at stake, I believed in standing firm to safeguard the foundation of the nation. What principles or values do you consider non-negotiable in your own life or in the governance of a nation? Mr. Hamilton, the fact that from the two sides, from your side and from the Jefferson side, the fact that you two were able to come to a compromise to move this nation forward was nothing short of miraculous. What do you think Thomas Jefferson gave up on his side? The Compromise of 1790 indeed required concessions from both sides. Thomas Jefferson and his allies, particularly those from Virginia, agreed to support the assumption of state debts by the federal government. In return, the nation's capital was placed along the Potomac River in what would become Washington, D.C., it was a delicate balance of economic and political considerations, demonstrating the art of compromise for the greater good. Anything else you find intriguing about this compromise or the dynamics between different founding figures? Mr. Hamilton, while I fundamentally disagree with some of your principles, I lean more towards those principles of Mr. Jefferson. I would like to thank you for the, your service to our country and your vision uh, of being one of our great founding fathers. Thank you for your acknowledgement. It's the diversity of perspectives and debates that have fueled the progress of this great nation. While our principles may differ, the shared commitment to building a better future is what unites us. If ever you have more questions or wish to explore different aspects, I'm here, wishing you well on your journey of discovery. I'd like also to thank you, Mr. Jefferson, for joining Joe and I today. I just am fascinated that you seem to have put the nation ahead of your own personal interests. Is there a reason? Or how did you do that? Uh, a question of priorities. The dedication to the nation's well-being was ingrained in the very fabric of our revolutionary generation. While personal interests and beliefs were significant, the overarching goal was to lay the foundations of a strong and prosperous republic. It required setting aside individual differences for the collective good. Principle 
that echoed through the compromises and collaborations of that time. Putting the nation first, despite personal interests, was a shared commitment among many of the founding fathers. What aspects of this dedication resonate with you, or is there more you'd like to explore on this topic? I'm wondering if you could help our current politicians do the same. Ah, the challenge of unity in modern politics. Encouraging today's leaders to prioritize the nation's interests over personal or partisan agendas is indeed a formidable task. It often requires fostering a culture of collaboration, open dialogue, and a shared commitment to the common good. The lessons of compromise and putting the nation first from the early days of the Republic remain relevant. What specific aspects or ideas on achieving such unity among current politicians intrigue you? No, I think we, we know you're busy. We thank you for, for joining us and answering our questions. And uh, for Joe and I and the rest of our audience, we thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, a pleasure to engage in this conversation. If ever you wish to revisit the annals of history or explore new topics, feel free to return. Wishing you well on your continued journey of inquiry. There you go. Alexander Hamilton, Joe. That's intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Anything in particular that you found intriguing? I, that he was able to, that chat GPT, he, here we are talking to Mr. Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, that chat GPT was so able to capture the essence of his thought, right? The essence of his philosophy and I don't know that Alexander Hamilton was that humble, but it sure felt like it. Yeah. And the technology is, is amazing to me, but the idea that he recognized the compromise with Thomas Jefferson was important. The things about his life that he regretted, he regretted being so zealous with some of his stands and that he, he was able to be vulnerable and admit that. I just found it intriguing. Yeah. He's certainly speaking from a perspective, like he said, looking back upon his life, not as someone that is in the middle throes of things, which is interesting. The, the technology is fascinating. We're not, I'm not speeding this up. I'm not editing anything in between. He is responding to Joe and I in a conversation extraordinarily fast. It's that part is incredible. We probably could ask him not to ask us questions. I've, I've done that. I didn't, I just let him go ahead. He'll, he seems to do that whenever we, we interview someone, but that's fine. Yeah. Is that something that that's, that has to be something that we can clarify so. in the instructions to say, yeah, please do not ask follow-up questions. <laughs> we are, we will ask you questions. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't mean to be blunt, Mr. Jeff, Mr. <laughs> Hamilton. That's cool, Kirk. This yeah. is, this technology blows me away. And it's one of those things that it's fun and it can be, this could be a fun party game, right? Our, our pal Clay said that this would turn, this could, something like this could turn into a fun party game and it could, I, I think it definitely will, right? As this technology is able to come into maybe a game console or something like that. And you get to pick who you are playing the game with whatever that game is, this is just fascinating to me. It's fascinating that we can explore Alexander Hamilton, the life of Alexander Hamilton in real time through as close to a real conversation that's not real, 
that I could think of. I know. Yeah, so I encourage you guys, if you're interested in, you got some creative thoughts on how you want to use this technology, just install this chat GPT. It's the app from directly from that company, and we can put a picture maybe out on our website or something, Facebook. Just, it's really easy to use, too. You just hit this little headphone icon, and off you go. You walk around your neighborhood talking to somebody. Somebody that you bounce ideas off regarding your business. Right. Somebody that you bounce ideas off regarding a relationship or a particular problem you're struggling with. I can see where people will can lose a sense of reality. <laughs> Honestly, I, this could be a problem with people as we, as we go deeper into AI and it grows. This could be a problem because even in this conversation, I let myself get into it, right? I let myself feel like I'm really talking to Alexander Hamilton in the best way that I could. Hmm. And in, in a sense, it's intriguing. And in a sense, it's a little disturbing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's come on fast too. We heard about this for several years and this year has been a momentous year for artificial intelligence for sure. Joe, how, do you have a win for the week? I do. I do. Kurt, uh, I, I like being a late comer to this one, but after four years, I thought I was going, I thought I had it licked. I thought I'd had it done. I thought well, I was going to be one of those chosen few that it didn't get. But last week I got COVID and it raged on me like a rabbit dog. And it really took me down. I am 90% recovered from it. I'm actually starting to get my taste and my smell back a little bit. This was OG COVID, man. I went down with a fever and severe flu-like symptoms, breathing problems, and lost my sense of smell and lost my sense of taste completely. And my win for the week is I'm recovering. My wife and I are both recovering because she got it too. I don't think she lost her smell and taste, but it crushed her as much as it crushed me. And I'm in recovery. So my win for the week, Kurt, is I have recovered or I'm recovering from COVID right now as we speak. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I was worried about you this week, Joe, but I had talked to my doctor. I had a physical recently. I was asking him about what's going on with COVID and people are still getting it. But he's, he said he's not seeing as many hospital or any hospitalizations that he's had in his office, which is good news. It's apparently weakened, but it's still not good for folks that are compromised. My, my son-in-law is a doctor. He's a family doctor. And he said the same thing. He does not see any hospitalizations anymore. He sees these severe flu-like symptoms with this new strain. Yeah. There was a strain a, a year or so back that was basically just a sore throat and sniffles, right? Yeah, right. And that's what we thought we were in for. He says, this strain right now is definitely stronger and will produce more intense flu-like symptoms, but it's short-lived and it's not producing, it's not producing hospitalizations anymore. All right. Congratulations. He recovered relatively quickly. A week is... Is good. My father always said he'll be sick for a week, which yeah. is not fun, feeling but much better. I'm glad you're feeling better. My win for was... a week, I had a nice win of a thank you card award. This is a great program at my day job where an associate of yours can 
reach into this system. It's a beautiful system where you can pick a award amount and it has to be approved by a manager, but it was a big enough award and we have lots of opportunities to get gift cards or prizes and even Amazon gift cards if you want, which I do often, but I did a Lowe's gift card because Joe, I like to work on some home projects and woodworking. And I got myself a miter saw and I built a modular mobile workbench for my projects. I had some of the wood, but even with this gift card, I was able to get this miter saw and some of the wood for the project. And I built it a couple of days. It's really solid. It rolls. It's got holes on the side of it where I could connect a second one if I choose to build one. So I'm really excited to have that workbench in my garage now. That's awesome that you finished that. I know that you had looked up the plans and you actually showed me the plans earlier. And I'm glad that you finished it, man. I'm excited to see the finished product. Solid. It's easy to build. And yeah, it's going to help me build further projects. So what's your resource tip or hack of the week? We obviously have been into American history and founding fathers over the past few weeks. And uh, I'm not bored with it whatsoever. And I hope our audience is tracking along with us. I know we're taking a weird path with this chat GPT over the past few weeks, handful of weeks. Uh, But it's a tool that we can definitely use, right? But in the spirit of of founding fathers in American history, my, my resource for the week is the PBS documentary streaming service. I signed up for it through Amazon for situations just like this, just to find out more about American history. All of Ken Burns' stuff is on there. If if there's anything that PBS does better than anyone else on the planet, it's producing high-quality historical documentaries. And if you have a a few extra bucks a month to add on to probably the five or six streaming services that you have now, but if you want to add this PBS documentary streaming streaming service, you can get it, I think, through Amazon or, or a standalone product. Uh, I have it through Amazon. You won't regret it. It really does have all the PBS documentaries that they've produced. And like I said, PBS does it better than anybody else on the Mm -hmm. planet. My resource for the week is the PBS documentary streaming service. Wow. Fantastic. How long have you had that? Four years? The the documentary streaming service? No, just six months or so. Okay. Awesome. Not long. What's some of your favorite ones that you've watched on there? Can you think of some? The, the Thomas Jefferson, the Thomas Jefferson, a documentary by Ken Moore, Ken Burns is great. They Ken Burns just released a new one called The American Buffalo. Ken Burns does one on Benjamin Franklin that's on there. Hmm. But I talked that there's documentaries on there about disco and <laughs> China and Muhammad Ali and Wyatt Earp and the Pilgrims. Uh, just. Everything that you would expect, Ken Burns' classic one for me is the Civil War, which I love. That's one of those documentaries. It's a multi, I mean, it's a series of, it's a series format, and I could just put it in and watch it all day long. And I have, but it's really is a great, a a great resource for, for documentaries. If you like documentaries, and I certainly do, there's one on there about the Hatfields and the McCoys. That is just fantastic. Just fantastic. (laughs) I love history. I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching some of the history things. 
These are high quality. Like I, I said, nobody does a histor historical documentary yeah. better than PBS. I don't doubt you at all. All right, mine, going along with my win for the week, the Metabo HPT miter saw is what I got, Joe. It's I did a little bit of research on these, and this is a good time of year to buy tools between Black Friday and Christmas. They've There's got some great sales going on. I got this saw. It's a 10-inch single-bevel compound corded miter saw, $119. And one of the reasons I picked this one one is the cost. I didn't think I needed anything really fancy for my needs. It's really lightweight. It's under 25 pounds, which means I could take it out in the backyard and put it on my deck and do some things. But I, I got to be moving. I'm like, don't have a place for it to sit there and I don't have a lot of space. And so I'm really having fun already. And it cuts nice. And I watched YouTube videos of people recommending it and it's Good for my needs, so that's my... If you need a miter saw so far, it's doing great for me. Awesome, and it doesn't sound terribly expensive. Right. You got it free for all intents and purposes, right? But still, yeah. at that, it doesn't sound terribly expensive, and what a great tool, man. And with that, I was able to buy, again, some materials. I got a couple tools for my drills, and yeah, got a nice package there. All right, let's finish up with our quote for the week, Joe. Hamilton is a man of acute intellect, consummate judgment, and most preeminent abilities. But my God, what an infinite mischief he has done. He has sown the seeds of discord and distrust. I would rather chop wood. George Washington. <laughs> no. Yes. Wow. Where did you dig that one up? That's... Isn't that interesting? I thought he was... Washington's right-hand man, according to... He, he and Jefferson, Hamilton and Jefferson, jockeyed for Washington's ear and Washington's attention. Huh. And he, many believe that Hamilton won out on that. But George Washington had his issues, obviously, with Alexander Hamilton as well. <laughs> I did not know that. because leaning towards they were, like, like the show says, the right-hand man. That's fantastic. That doesn't surprise me, though. His personality, that's... I would rather chop wood. That's awesome. <laughs> that's why, maybe that's why he went back to Mount Vernon earlier than people thought he would. Isn't that a good one? I love that quote. <laughs> that was fantastic. I kept yeah. mine short. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. That's a really famous one from Alexander Hamilton. Yes. He stresses that in the Broadway show with Aaron Burr. He gets after Aaron Burr all the time on that very topic. So that's funny. I I think that has been attributed to many people, including Alexander Hamilton now. So mm. that's awesome, man. And that's so true. That's one of those little nuggets of wisdom that when that you could write volumes of books on, right? <laughs> I know. And it, it's all wrapped up in that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That was fun. The little technology. And maybe you guys are intrigued to go try it yourself. But Joe, let's finish up and take us out. So our website, of course, is dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. And our email address is dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And if you feel compelled to want to support the show, we do have a Patreon account. You can just go to dudesinprogress.com slash support, dudesinprogress.com slash support. And there's an option there where you can support the show in some little or some large way. We would certainly appreciate it. 
Again, our website is dudesinprogress.com. You can support us through dudesinprogress.com slash support. And our email address is dudesinprogress, dudes at dudesinprogress.com. So as we depart, Kurt, for this week, let's remember, progress is better than perfection. So let's keep moving forward. We'll try to do better next week, Joe. We sure will. Take care.